What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your sick host, Matthew Bruni, and with me is my also sick host, Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you feeling? Are you okay? I'm good. That was really that was a really quick intro. I'm not sure everyone got that. Okay. Well, for those of you who didn't get it, Colin is slightly less sick than I am. I am uh, on a scale of one to ten, I'm like a five or six. I'm not like. Dang, you're that sick? I'm not crazy. That's okay. pretty sick. Okay, never mind. You scared me. Like, four. Like like, like ten, a four. Ten's like Ebola. All right. Well, I'm like a four then. Okay. Colin's that's, like a two to maybe I'm, get into a three. Yeah. Cranking pro- it up. Probably so there. Probably, probably there. because last night at the game I was coughing and sick everywhere i probably got everyone in that press box sick. yeah i gave him i gave him a fist bump to end the night and there it was the exchange of germs <laughs> and uh i woke up this morning slightly under the weather so yeah i, I blame myself that's my fault i should have just come yeah. away from home jeez wear a um, face mask thankfully next week i mean i should be healthy by next week so i'm not worried questionable questionable, questionable. For next week. <laughs> matthew bruni questionable for charlotte's game. That, just, that just shows you all the dedication Oh Pretty yeah, I'm sick. Not... Had brought some lo- lozenges, is how he says it. So many lozenges. Some 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 Tylenol, extra strength. Man was popping pills in the press box. Man, nothing was gonna stop me. No machine. Every I always say I always say I'm like you know being sick doesn't really affect me that much unless if it's like you know super bad to where like I have like a terrible headache or something. Right, right. right. Other than that, popping Tylenols, go to class. You know, if someone else gets sick. I'm sorry, but. Like me, I gotta. I'm. I'm. I'm I gotta I'm, do what I'm I gotta the, do. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, the the example of what happens exactly. to everybody. Bernie is around. When I, I gotta sick. do what I gotta do. Guys. I I got. I go. I go to work. That's what happens. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah. I would say all that if if we sound. Um, I sound. I have a deeper voice now. I think. I don't know. You said I don't, but I'm. I, I'm gonna say I do. Okay. I've always, okay. Want, I've always wanted a deeper voice. <laughs> um. All right, Colin. Real quickly, I just want to say. North Texas is back. Okay, is, let's let's is walk that right? No, walk that back. <laughs> Please walk that back. You got to take a bunch of steps backwards. North Texas defeated Middle Tennessee. There you go. That's about the extent you can make that. That's that's they as far as I'm going. 33 to 30 Colin in a game that was really ugly in the first half and then the second half it was like slightly less ugly. I was gonna say it was pretty. It was pretty ugly still in that second half. Like, like that ending. <laughs> that was when Lauren easily fumbled that ball. I was like, "They're really gonna lose this, aren't they?" <laughs> like this is this is gonna happen. It's, I felt like I had like seventy pounds of weight just drop in my stomach when that happened. Oh, I was like, like "Well, okay, this cannot be happening." Yeah. So it was not the prettiest performance. I wrote that in my recap, but it was a win that this team needed, and this it was a win that everybody in that stadium needed desperately and so but they got it so we'll we'll talk about that we'll talk about our panic meter we'll talk about um some other interesting intricacies of the game but we won't try to keep this too long because i don't know if i can go that long because i might pass out so wow we'll see so it's not it's not actually a four it's more <laughs> like an you actually have ebola i'm hiding it very well oh, okay that's, well, that's all i'll say so anyways colin let's recap the game real quick real quick North Texas comes out, wins the coin flip, and elected to receive the opening kickoff. You like that move. That alone showed me like, whoa, wait a minute. This is going to be different. And so they received the opening kickoff, which I can't remember the last time they elected to receive. I know they've received before, but I'm saying elected to receive. That's usually not what they do. And so they took the opening kickoff and they went down and they did what they've been trying to do for the last seven weeks. Aside from the two wins, <laughs> they tried playing on green. That's what they've said for weeks now. And they went out there and they heard what they heard this podcast, obviously, Colin, because remember last week I came on here. I was like, they didn't have a single drive of over three minutes. Yeah. A single one. They had like no drive. They had like one drive of 10 plays or whatever. They start, they start the game off. They converted two or three third downs. They had a four and a half minute drive. 12 yards, or I'm sorry, 12 plays, 78 yards. And right from the jump, it was like, all right, they're going to, they're, they're okay. That's not at all what I thought. 
that's not what you thought, Colin? No, you, I, you said, thought it was okay, the- I said, okay, they scored a touchdown. <laughs> I need to see this the rest of the game. Mason Fine ran it in off the edge. Yeah. When they, okay, when they had to run it in, that first of all, ha- having to have Mason run it in to score a touchdown also just completely discredited any any progress that they may have made. Anytime Mason runs, it's, it's automatic minus. Especially even with his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, what, what did you see on the field there, So Colin? So, yeah, coming in, uh, when Mason, you know, came in uh, – I guess pregame, mm-hmm. like on the field, he uh, saw this like contraption thing under his under his sleeve, and I was like, "Well, that's a pretty big thing under his arm." And his his arm wasn't really moving. Like you know how when you walk, you sway your arms. His yeah. arm was his left arm was still, but his right arm was flailing around. And I was like, "Okay, so this this is hurting actively right now." Yeah, that that's how this game is gonna go. Um, so, anyways, he scores the first touchdown, and then Middle Tennessee comes back and scores on their first three possessions, and North Texas has a five play drive and a three play drive. That both basically stall out, and so North um, Middle Tennessee takes a thirteen to seven lead, and I I don't know about you, but it didn't feel like it felt like these teams were on the same level. Isn't that a bad thing? It is a bad thing. We'll get into that in a second, but I it felt like these teams were on the same level. Like, I, I at I was, least in the first. I, quarter. I was saying I was talking to people on the field, uh, other photographers. I was saying that it felt like a loss. It was felt like they were losing the whole game to me, except for the very end. I can get that. Yeah, because. Okay, because because Middle Tennessee got into the red zone and had to do a field goal, and then they did it again and got a field goal, and then they finally scored a touchdown. And I, and I was thinking in my head, they're just going to keep doing this. Well, in the first half, especially, you're right. I mean, they scored, they kicked three field goals in the first half. Yeah, Middle Tennessee did, and North Texas only had one field goal in the first half. That's why they and they had the blocked punt for the touchdown, which ended up giving them the lead at halftime, um, seventeen to sixteen. Now. In the first half, we saw Mason take some hits. We saw, I don't remember when Tory exactly left, but Tory left at some point. Um, was it the second quarter or the third quarter? Anyways, he left He left the game. We knew that DeAndre Plan did not play. He has a hand injury that will sideline him for a couple weeks. So we saw the offensive line, Alex Woodworth moved to left tackle. Uh, Thomas Preston slid into left guard. Those are all the basics of who... Was not oh Trey Siggers was also questionable. Yeah, he didn't. And he play. did not play. So like like you said, Middleton C kept getting in there, getting in there, but they couldn't finish off the drives. And I kept crediting that to you know North Texas defense bending and not breaking. Now, in the second half, it was fairly different. I mean, you could you could say that the sides were switched because Middle Tennessee ended up getting in. Uh, getting into North Texas territory and finishing while North Texas settled for three field goals. Yeah. So that kind of let Middle Tennessee hang around. And whenever that happened, I just got a terrible feeling. And I'll tell you when it settled in the worst, I think it was with about, yeah, I think it was the seven-minute punt or when they punted with seven minutes left Mm -hmm. and they were only up a touchdown. Yeah. And that's when we headed down to the field and I was like, this is not good. Yeah, because they, yeah. Uh, Chase Cunningham, who came in for Asher O'Hara, O'Hara, uh-huh. O'Hara, yeah. um, he instantly led them on a scoring drive, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so yeah, he's early the, in the fourth quarter, yeah, to start the fourth quarter." Yeah, yes. so he, so he, he scored a touchdown for him, which they haven't been able to do since that first quarter, and then I, when he came back out after that punt, I was like, "Okay, well, they're going to tie the game up right here," and they didn't. Yeah, uh, yeah they they because that I believe that was, that was Taylor the inter- Robinson. That was the interception. That was the interception. And we all th- we thought all was good with the world. We thought that they were going to win this game. Everyone was happy. And then Lauren Easley on the first or second play of the first drive, one. first play of the drive, fumbles the ball. They get it back, and Middle Tennessee goes on to score a touchdown. They did. How'd you and feel? How'd you feel at that moment? At that moment, I looked up at the clock because they scored with 28 seconds left. Yeah. And the thing is. It's how they scored. So Chase Cunningham couldn't complete a pass. He kept overthrowing people. And then it was fourth down and seven after they got a delay of game penalty. Fourth and seven to ice the game. And they find a dude wide, not wide open. I'm sorry. No, I thought they scored the, he ran it in. No, he did. He did. I'm getting there. Oh, okay. And so they completed a pass that got down to the four, five roughly. Oh, I see what you're saying. I was on the field. So they completed the pass to get the first down. Yeah. And then he runs it in from there on a simple keeper um, that fooled the entire defense. Being on the field is very interesting because you see Troy Reffitt and how animated he is and yeah. how, I don't want to say frustrated he is all the time, but 
how frustrated he is all the time. Like <laughs> there's he's always finding something and it's understandable because they needed a stop there and they could not get the stop they needed. And that was very disheartening. Like Middleton, Tennessee had to drive 79 yards and there were less than two minutes on the clock. And they did that in seven plays in a minute and 14. Like there was not much trepidation from that middle Tennessee no. team. Like they no. converted fourth down. They converted several times to move down the field quickly. And that was very disheartening. I say that's disheartening. And I think I felt that on the field. It's like, the crowd was just like, damn. And everybody on the sideline was like, damn. That's that, that's yeah, how this every, season Everyone thought go. that they were going to lose that game yeah. after that. Yeah, the, basically the feeling was, damn, that's how this season has gone. That's how this season's going to go. Like, that's just nothing can break right for this team. Rico's go down, goes down. You know, it's just bad luck, kind of. And then Dion Hair Griffin happened. The hair. Dion the Hair Griffin happened. And he returned the kickoff. You know, it was DeAndre Torrey the entire game, but like we said, he left. And Deion Hare Griffin takes the kickoff to the to the middle of Tennessee 44. Yeah, on a 50-yard return. Basically a 50-yard return. And from there, I thought, all right, they got it. They got it. They have two timeouts. All they have to do is get in field goal range. Ethan Mooney is a good kicker. He's had a good game. But still, I didn't want them, him to have to take a, like a 48, 50-yard right. field goal. So I was very nervous. And with 10 seconds left, they had the ball in the 35, which again would have been a 52-yard field goal. And then I thought, all right, what do you do here? Do you run the ball and be safe and try to, you know, just not turn it over? Do you um, do you throw it here, just throw something short? Like, what do you do in this situation? And they did a – man, I, I cannot believe the trust that they had in Mason to throw the ball down the field when they were in press coverage and – but when that when that happens, I knew there was only one receiver he was going to, and it was Jalen Darden, yep. who's had 12 receptions already in the game. Made his 13th reception, beat the receiver off the line. Mason threw a great ball in that. When you look at the replay, you see that he threw the pass to the sideline more so, like yeah. way more to the sideline. Yeah, to the outside. Yeah, way more to the outside where the defender was on the inside, and that only let Jalen catch it. So even if he would have dropped it, it wouldn't have been picked. Great job there. Jalen comes down with the catch at the five-yard line. With four seconds left, they end up kicking the game-winning field goal. Ethan Mooney walks off uh, as the uh, game winner. And North Texas survives. That is the summary of the game. Now, I I had a few ways to go with the cider. And I before the, the Mason fine to Jalen Darden completion at the end, I was debating on a few things. Yeah. The most prominent one, though, that I want to talk about is I feel like this was a game where North Texas, their resilience showed, and it showed by way of players continuously stepping up in place of injuries. So first, we had, like we mentioned, Alex sliding over, Thomas sliding in. So offensive line didn't give up a sack. I'm not going to say they were good or they were great, but they didn't allow a sack, and you know they were they were okay. They at least weren't worse. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So the 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 offensive line happened. Um, like we said, Deion Hare Griffin replacing DeAndre Torrey on kick return makes a big play there, saves it, saves the game. Um, then Trey Siggers and DeAndre Torrey get hurt. Lauren easily finishes the game with, I believe, a hundred rushing yards. Uh, let me look in my sheet. Have it. Um, he finishes the game with ninety nine yards on nineteen carries. Sad. Couldn't get that. that <laughs> so close. Triple digit. <laughs> Nick Smith also had a couple bursts in there. Eight carries for 21 yards. He wasn't bad. Um, so, yeah. So, the, you have that aspect aspect as well. Now, all those guys stepped up and played huge roles in this team. Defensively, there weren't many injuries. I mean, there were injuries on the defensive line. Uh, we saw Caleb Colvin leave the game. We saw Dayton LeBlanc leave the game. Kyrie left the game. For- Kyrie left the game for a player or two. We saw Jackson Gibbs step in, make a play. We saw Jameel Moore step in, and make a play. So, again, we saw a lot of different guys step in and do different productive things. That was my initial cider, and I think that is one of the main takeaways of the game when you don't just look at, you know, Jalen and Mason taking over the game, basically. Like, does that feel right to you, and does that feel like... Does that give you hope moving forward that they at least have guys it, that can make Yes, plays? they had guys step up, but it does not give me hope, no. Okay, well, let's it, look at it from a game perspective, Colin. For, for a game, sure, but for the season, no. There was, I think there is optimism 
that at least the offensive line is not going to be worse. That's optimism. There's optimism that this running back group is still deep. Lauren easily had the best okay, game. How good are we saying Middle Tennessee is? <clears throat> Middle Tennessee also their star their star maybe their best player on their team got hurt. Uh, Reed Blankenship, the safety, had a very gruesome injury. I didn't get to see the exact thing of it. I tried not to look at it, but it, it was bad. Um, so that happened, and then Astro O'Hara left the game in the third or at the end of the third quarter. And I don't remember if that was for injury purposes or what, but both of them left the game. And so I'm glad that North Texas won the game because right. it would have looked bad if they didn't. And I will get into this in a second, but it wasn't like an impressive win right? by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like the resilience of this team is the re- the resilience this team showed is something they can build off of. And I think that that is going to give them confidence because... The schedule they played in non-conference gave them zero confidence. And then the Southern Miss loss gave them even less confidence. And that w- loss obviously looks worse because I think LaTeX ended up beating Southern Miss. So they needed something to hold on to. Like, you just need something to hold on to as a team. And I feel like this win at the very least gives them something because Middle Tennessee is not a bad team. Middle Tennessee is be- probably better than Charlotte. Middle Tennessee is <laughs> definitely better than UTEP, UTSA, and uh, Rice. But, so that's why I take solace in that. But then you look at UAB and LaTeX still on the schedule and you're like, okay, well, this didn't give us much confidence looking right. at them. But that's still far away. Well, that doesn't matter if it's far away. You are what you are. Probably. You can't, you can't, the team, the team is what it is. They're not going to get exponentially better than they are already. Sure, they'll be, you know, they'll have good games or whatever, but they won 34 to 30 to Middle Tennessee. 30. Oh, sorry. 33 30 to Middle Tennessee. On a game-winning field goal because they couldn't finish out a game. I agree. That I is, agree. That is why I'm not taking any type of hope moving forward because, like I said, most of the game, it felt like they were losing. It felt like they did not have control of the game. Until that pick from Taylor Robinson, no control over the game. Yes, and even after that, then it was like, oh, Yeah, and then after that, they fumbled <laughs> the ball. So, oh. so, yes, people stepped up, but at the same time, it was just enough to get them there. It wasn't... It, it it like you said it wasn't impressive. Okay, I do want to get into a couple of specifics of players and performances and stuff that we can kind of analyze in our way, give our expertise in. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's anywhere to start besides Mason Fine. I kind of want to start with Mason Fine. Okay. Because good lord, this may this was his best game of the season. On paper, it doesn't look like that, but yeah, I agree. no, this was amazing. Yeah. I cannot explain to you if you did not watch the game, Mason Fine. Was tremendous. He completed his net last nine throws. He had. Uh, I'll, I'll look. I'll pull it up in a second. But basically, Mason Fine did what he did in the second half against uh, Houston. He did that for the last three quarters of the game, and maybe in the whole, all, the entire game. Because, but the difference is, he knew I don't have Rico Bussy, and he knew the offensive line is not good enough, and he came into the game and I think coach reader also came into the game with a game plan to get the ball out of his hands quick to when they did go deep keep in an extra tight end to keep six seven into block for him and even then he still got hit time after time and so not only was it his best game because of the plays he made and the throws he made and god he made some damn good throws yeah like he was even the incompletions were good throws. The only bad throws he had were the interceptions. And those the one of them was, was really bad. Um now I don't know if there is a um a lot to take from this aside from the fact Mason Fine is basically able to carry this team on his own. But it was promising nonetheless that we saw Mason have his best game this season. And we saw this offense kind of figure out what to do whenever Oh, Maya's going crazy. Stand, stand by. It was encouraging, nonetheless, to see Mason Fine have his best game of the season and to have the offense kind of figure out what to do without a star receiver on the outside, without an offensive line, and even without Trey Siggers in the run game. That was very promising to uh, do again. Um, no, yeah, you're good. Uh, I, I, I told him Maya's going crazy, and I, I closed the door. 
You're, back, su- you're such a great host. You back, Colin? I'm I, good. I carry. I I told you I carry this podcast, Colin. Wow. Wow. <laughs> just, just just delete my audio, when, please. When the star, when the when uh, Kevin Love goes out, LeBron is still still was, there. Was still there. Was still there. So Obviously, now when Kevin Love just, goes out, they lose all the games. Yes, now I'm, they have Jordan Clarkson, or they used to have Jordan Clarkson. Anyways, regardless, <laughs> let's go back to what we were talking about here. Um. No, I'm just saying that it was encouraging at least to see the offense perform somewhat well and to kind of know, enter a game knowing that we don't have a star receiver, we don't have an offensive line, we didn't even have Trey Siggers. So that was kind of their approach. And I feel like that this was the first game where they approached it like that. And it was the first game where they game planned in a way that they had quick throws, but I feel like their quick throws were better because... They weren't as much screens. They were more slants. They were more slants. They I, were more, I, I like to. I like that. I saw that because yeah. it, I was getting so tired of the of the. We didn't see screens. many screens, did we? Uh, there was. A, I mean, I tried counting the first half. There weren't that many. I think I counted two. Okay, but but there was there was tons of slants and it was just great. Lots yes. of curl routes. I mean, slants, hitches. Um, even out out of the backfield, Darden coming across, sliding sliding yeah. pre pre play, and then going out. To get Jalen Darden the ball that much is kind of what you have to do at this point because there's nothing else on this team. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to discredit a lot of what everyone else did. Did because Jair Shorter had you know three receptions, 44 yards. Deontay Simpson was terrific. Three three receptions, 40 yards. Um, Austin Agumikin had a great game. Two receptions, 46 yards. I mean, but Deion Hare Griffin didn't have a reception. Uh, Mike Law had a decent game, forty-four yards or four receptions for fifty-five yards. So there were other guys that stepped up, but I feel like it was all based around Jalen Darden's success because he yeah. is the most dynamic player on this offense. Yeah. Now we saw. So getting back to Mason Fine real quick and kind of finishing up what we were saying about that is Mason Fine not only had one shoulder. And not only has all this going working against him, and not only Middle Tennessee brought a lot of pressure. Yeah, like he got hit a few times. No, they got he got hit a good amount of times, and for him to continuously get up and get up and get up, I thought one of the funniest things uh, watching the game was watching Khalil Brooks, um, the linebacker for Middle Tennessee, again one of their best players, probably the second best player on their defense. He continuously, you could tell the amount of respect he had for Mason Fine. He continuously helped Mason up, you know, gave him high. I saw them high five at least three times <laughs> after plays. Yeah. And it's after he just hit him. And it's after the defense just got to Mason again. And it's kind of like, this is the type of respect Mason Fine gets from defenses. He can go seven weeks and only put up 250 yards per game. But when you play Mason Fine as a defense, the respect is still there. And that shows because not only because of what he can do on the field, because of his toughness and because of how mm-hmm. much he gives to the game, the conference, and his team. Yeah. All of that combined kind of just forces you to respect him in a way. And so that's why I'll I'll rarely – Mason Fine will have to have a very bad game for us to come on here and completely bash him. Like, yes, we will talk about his bad games. We'll talk about why he had bad games. But there's nothing that Mason Fine um, shows you in terms of heart that you're like, you question anything. I agree. So that's why I thought that was very interesting. So Mason Fine, I mean, yes, he had two interceptions. Yes, he only had one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown. But I thought he was tremendous. I mean, I thought he was... Um, great, and I think that is in correlation with Jalen Darden. Um, is there any? I mean, Jalen Darden had thirteen had thirteen receptions for God's sakes, thirteen receptions for one hundred twenty five yards. Should we expect ten plus receptions from Jalen Darden at this point, moving forward? I think they're gonna try to do that, but I don't think it's a sustainable way to, that they can play, because eventually. They're gonna start doing things to make Jalen. They're gonna try to neutral. Defense are gonna try to neutralize Jalen, and other players are gonna have to step up. But we haven't really seen that outside of Mike Law, who's like who's able to have a big game outside of Jalen. And I wouldn't say that anybody other than Jair, but he's shown to be unreliable. So they're gonna. I think they're gonna try. Yes, I think they're gonna try to get him that ten receptions. You know, he's gonna be catching the ball a lot or getting a lot of targets. But I don't think it's gonna be a sustainable way that they can continue to play. I will think it. I do think it's gonna be interesting to see him against worse defenses than that because Middle Tennessee is not a bad defense like we said yeah 
they play Charlotte next week, who is also decent defense. You know, they have they have guys like Highsmith, but I think Darden can continue to have. I think they're going to force Jalen Darden to have ten receptions. Like what they did with those short stuff out of the backfield, yeah. like put him in motion across, yeah. across, hike the ball and throw it to him in the flat where he could pick up. I mean, he was able to pick up seven yards religiously on those plays. And that was very impressive to me. And then I feel like they're just going to force feed him the ball in a way that bad defenses and even subpar defenses just can't keep up with him in a way. And then he's going to make the first tackle miss. Like he's not playing SMU anymore. He's not playing Cal anymore. He's going to make a guy miss on, yeah. at this level. Even so the miss is a, um, a quality defense in conference USA. He's going to make a guy miss and then they're going to go from there. And I feel like that's, that is probably their most sustainable thing um, aspect of this offense with Trey Sigurds out. I think Trey Sigurds will play next week, but bar, I mean, Regardless of what Trey Sigurds does, I feel like Jalen Darden is right there with him as far as a player that they need to have produce. Yeah. So, I'll just need to see it more times than one time to believe that it's I mean, going to continue. He's averaging seven and a half receptions per game. He's a- right, but you know, a lot of those are screens before this game. Yeah. I. It's hit or miss for me. I I still think that playing, taking that step down to competition. I think they're going to start to grow comfortable and start to figure out things that bad defense can't defend as yeah. well. And I don't know if that's screens per se, but I think that the Jalen Darden motion offense is kind of something that they trust more. And you look at the last play of the game when Jalen Darden was manned up on the outside in press coverage against SMU. He's probably not getting free on that against yeah. Cal. He's probably not getting free on that. Yeah. Middle Tennessee. I don't know who exactly they had on him. I don't know if it was a, a, a second corner or nickel corner I don't know safety I don't know but he got free pretty easily he threw that little boom boom move and he was gone so all of that's very promising to me in that aspect um I think we have to talk about I don't know no I don't I think we I don't think we need to talk about the offense line too much Kelvin Smith I feel like had a good game he ran block very well and he had I think two two catches. two receptions for yeah. 17 yards so that was good for him I think, again, I want to mention Deontay Simpson had a great game. Three receptions, 40 yards, and he he found space. He found space yeah. in defenses, and yeah, I mean, that was encouraging to me. Again, I, Deontay Simpson continues to get more and more comfortable in this offense. I don't see a reason why him, or even Greg White, what did Greg end up with? Two for 13 yards. Him or Greg White shouldn't start on the opposite side of Jerry Shorter. So I suggested that before, like last week, mm-hmm. but there's no reason to why they don't at this point. I don't really know why they don't but again after the game starts Deion Hare Griffin like doesn't he's not yeah. like it's not like he he's plays not, he's every not snap. there for the whole game he, yeah he plays like the first few he's in and out yeah um so the snaps isn't a crazy difference but I mean for Deontay or Greg's purposes just to tell people that you're starting you know that's a confidence booster alone you can be like hey mom I'm starting this week as opposed to you know you're still not starting it's just it's a different thing confidence wise I feel like that would be not like why not yeah so, um, defensively, I still don't know how to feel. I definitely don't know how to feel. But because because in the first half, I kept thinking like, damn, this defense is doing great. Bending and not breaking. Holding this team, holding Middle Tennessee to three field goals was very impressive. Yeah, I agree. But in the second half, they only gave up two touchdowns. But the two touchdowns felt like they were like... Felt like they were painful touchdowns in a way, especially the last one. So it's like the last touchdown is basically like a good defense doesn't give that up. Yeah, a good defense. Like doesn't they give know up it's gonna. They they know that something like that's going to be coming. Yeah, uh, and I'm not saying a, I'm not saying never has a good defense given up a touchdown drive, but you give up a f- touchdown drive when you have they have to go 79 yards, um, in two minutes, and they face a fourth and seven, and they have their backup quarterback in the game. There's a lot, and you're you're at home. Like there's a lot going for you. Yeah, and they couldn't do it. Uh, that was that was concerning to me. Um, but other than that, I mean, you look at it on paper, and you're like, okay, nobody had to have like like the corners didn't have to have those 15 tackle games. Like <laughs> thank God. Like Nick Harvey, <laughs> I thought had a fine game. Uh, he only had four tackles, but I feel like he was able to shed blocks really well and to make plays. The linebackers didn't have to do too much. KD ended up with 10 tackles. 
Uh, Jamil ended up with six. Kyrie ended up with six. So I feel like it was a pretty spread out attack. They only had one sack, but again, when you play a running quarterback like that, I mean, he was able to, uh, O'Hara was able to escape the pocket multiple times in the first three quarters and get free. But they gave up 507 yards of offense. But like, there's there's two coin, there's two ways to look at this. I feel like for every, um, I feel like there's two co- two sides of the coin here. They gave up, I'm sorry, they gave up 433 yards of offense, but they held them to five of 17 on third downs. They had um they had an interception, but they gave up a game winning th- or game tying touchdown drive. Yeah. Like, they did their job, if you think about it. They, Ty- Taylor De- Taylor Robinson got the interception to steal the game. That should have sealed the game. So, really, in, the- in, in theory, they shouldn't have been in the position to have to come back on the field and make another But stop. they were in the position. Yes, but they were, and they didn't make the play. So, that's why we have to talk about that, and that's why we have to cover it as that. Also, another two, uh, another thing I want to talk about is that both of Mason's interceptions, I, um, I'm almost positive, both of his interceptions... Were three and outs, like well, I'm sorry, he and they Middle Tennessee intercepted the ball, and then they went three and out, and they were in North Texas territory in both oh, of those. Oh yeah, and yeah. So I they had to saying. punt in both of those situations. Yeah, no, yeah, that did happen. I remember that, that was impressive. Yeah, that was that was good because on the second one, I thought that they were going to score yeah. and take the lead because they got it like the 35 or something or the 40 or something. Yeah, they, like he that. brought it back to the 35, I think. Yeah, and they ended up having to punt off of that. Yep. Those. That's why I also in the first half I had my cider ideas out as the defense. Now, obviously, things changed, and so I didn't go with that, but I still think the defense was better. And I say that with pause and hesitation because they still haven't put together multiple. I mean, they haven't even put together like multiple, multiple stops of a defense. Like, yeah, Middle Tennessee had to punt four times in a row, but then their backup quarterback came in and scored a touchdown, and then they couldn't get the stop. So it's like. I just want to see this defense get a stop when they need to get a stop, and they haven't done that. SMU scores the first few drives of the game. Then, in that SMU game, they cut it to eighteen to thirty-one, I believe, or seven, eighteen to thirty-one, and SMU goes down to scores. Houston, similar thing. Cal, similar thing. Now, I will say, the defense didn't have like one standout player. To this game at all no, like I, we've I, seen Dion Noble have standout we've had seen Ladares have standout games we've seen um we've seen Katie Davis uh, Tyree Davis have standout games but nobody really stood out to me when I watched the defense and I thought that was really weird I think it's kind of concerning because you feel like against this team like Nick Harvey could have had a pick uh yeah, Kyrie could have had a pick yeah. Taylor Robinson's pick yeah it was a pick but it was also an overthrown pass and it just kind of fell into his lap I feel like this team just needs that playmaker on defense, and we haven't really seen one emerge. I mean, you're right, but like, like Hambone, even like, like yeah, yeah, he's being a disruptive, but he's not. He's not getting. He's that. not doing that extra step to to get you know to get to the quarterback. Or I think it's interesting because I feel like Refit is still trying to figure out what this defense is best in, and I don't mean that in terms of like personnel. I mean that in terms of we saw him. He's he hasn't brought as much pressure as he used to have, mm-hmm. as he as he started the season doing. Yeah, he's dropped a lot more recently. He's dropped into seven and eight man coverages way more than he has at, even in, at any point in his time at North Texas. I don't. Oh man. Okay. So, entering the season, let's all remember what our concerns were. Right. We, our concerns were that they weren't going to be able to get the pass rush because Brandon Gardner and EJG are not there anymore. And they accounted for like 15 sacks last year. Yeah. That was our concern. I think that concern finally hit him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> How many times do we even see Katie Davis and Tyreek Davis blitz? I feel like it's not... I feel like it's probably half as much as they did last year. Mm-hmm. That concern had to have hit him after, like the, after the Houston game or Cal game or something like that. Like, there's... It's completely changed. And that's why we, again, entering the season, we also said, and this is not to toot our own horn or anything like that, but we also said maybe they're better in coverage. Tyreek Davis was a nickel corner. We know he has coverage ability. Maybe he's better in that aspect. Maybe KD Davis is a similar player, even though he is a very strong tackler, very fast guy that can make back tackles in the backfield. Maybe Refit is noticing what we 
kind of speculated. We didn't know anything, but we kind of speculated like, hey, maybe they won't get to the quarterback as much. And so as a result, he's dropping seven and eight more. And even if you bring four, there should still be a sack at some point, I feel like. They had one sack, don't get me right, wrong. Right, but that sack was like... I think it was O'Hara just running right, around. Right, I think it was him running trying to get, around, trying, trying to get, get out. Yeah. Um, but it's a sack nonetheless. Um, so I wonder if they've kind of realized that and they're kind of like, okay, well, we're not going to get to the quarterback with five. Like if we bring Tyreek or KD, like they're not that overpowering influence. And then Joe Azogu and Jamie King have are fine on the outside, but we're not going to say that there's some sort of, you know, overwhelming right. edge, edge linebacker. They're, they're not Von Miller out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even for a conference USA standard, they're not Von Miller. So it's kind of like, all right, we're going to pick our spots more. So we'll bring pressure when we can, but Middle Tennessee brought a lot more pressure than them last uh, last night. And so it's kind of made me concerned. I've held off on saying this because I wanted to see it more. Like we saw against Houston, they dropped more. We saw um, last game against Southern Miss, they dropped more. It's now three games in a row, basically. Yeah. I think that we can safely assume that they are trying to drop more in coverage and that they're trying to not get beat on the deep ball. And then in doing that, they're also playing the pass more. They're they're when you drop into let's say they're in cover four, the linebackers are still there covering the middle part of the mm-hmm. of the defense. So I think that's one interest I think that's a really interesting thing of this defense is that they've how much they've changed from the first three games of the year where it was SMU is like they're blitzing, they're leaving their guys in man coverage on the outside. Cal, similar thing. And it led it led to a lot of pass interferences, led to a lot of big plays. This week and the past couple weeks, I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. Southern Miss, they gave up a ton of big plays, and they struggled mightily in that game. So, I'm not um, – so, again, my argument is still not concrete in that they are trying to give – but I do think they're trying to give up less big plays. Yeah. And I think that's very evident by them not bringing as much pass rush, them not leaving as much their guys in man-to-man on the outside. They've made changes – Last week, those changes were awful against Southern Miss because they looked lost. This week, they didn't look lost. They at least looked um, competent. And they were, were playing some decent receivers too, right? They played a couple guys, uh, Ty Lee and uh, Jaron Price, that are able to make routine um, explosive plays. So they didn't give those up. So that's that was one of my biggest takeaways uh, from the defensive side of the ball. You have a perplexed look on your face, Colin. I think it's it's good that they're dropping more, uh, but they need to you need to f- get some kind of. You're not gonna be able to survive on just like hoping that there's not like a big play or the, the a receiver doesn't make a play. You can't just be, I guess, passive. Yeah, well, we saw no... that not work against Southern Miss. Right. Yeah. So you need you need someone that can get the sacks. You need someone that can get the picks. You need someone that can get force the fumbles, and we haven't seen that yet. I mean. Dropping more is all all great, but the big play is going to happen eventually, unless something, unless the defense does something to make that not happen. But do they have the personnel to be? And, that, and, that, and that, I feel like they have to be. And I feel like they should be. They should have the they the should. personnel. I mean, Nick Harvey, he should be getting a pick. Kyrie should be getting picks. You know, and Ladarius should be getting sacks. Deion Noble should be, you know, helping with that. You know, somebody. And it, it just hasn't happened yet. And I think that, yeah, as they drop more, but they've only done it, like you said, three games. Offenses are going to adjust too. So. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we can't be too picky. No, we can't be picky. I think, I, think this, just... I think this is better. I, I do. But, it, I, again, it's a sustainability thing. Is it able to sustain long-term to get them wins? I'll tell you one thing. It will sustain a hell of a lot better now that they play – a weaker schedule. Like, to be quite frank, I mean, you still have Charlotte Rice and UTEP on your schedule. Yeah. This defense will work. And you could probably bring pressure against those guys and it might hit more a lot more. So, I I think there's reason... We said this. We said this after the conference. Oh, we said this after the... I believe it was the Houston game. We were mm-hmm. like, guys, it's going to get a lot easier moving forward. Obviously, Southern Miss, it didn't look like it got easier. But Middle Tennessee... He, we both have said that they didn't play a very good game and they still pulled out a win. They played that game against Houston. We saw what happened. Yeah. If they play that game yeah. against anybody else, 
We've, we but, saw what happened. But yeah, okay, so I agree with you that the that the schedule coming up is obviously easier. They'll get the wins. Blah, 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 blah. They still have to win a bowl game. They have to... Hold on. First, okay. They, well, they, and I say right. that because... You're not playing a Conference USA team in the bowl game. You're gonna be playing a team that's gonna be better. You're not. You're gonna get. You're not. You may not get a Troy or a Utah State, but you're gonna get a team that's better. Will this stuff work against that? Because the, your goal is to get to to the bowl, to get to the conference championship, and they've every good team that they played, they can't win. And Middle Tennessee, we admit, is not a good team. They're an okay team, and they barely got the win. I'm curious to see. Okay, this is looking way too far ahead. I don't want to start looking at both. But I don't think it is. No, no, I don't want to start looking. But... No, because you're right. But they still have to make a bowl game. Right, They're, right. They are three and four I, at I this point. I agree they and... still have to make the bowl game. But if that's your overall goal is to win a bowl game or to win that conference championship in Mason's last year, if that is the, the, the scene that we have set to make this team successful for this year, you have to think that far ahead because, yeah, you can win against the UTEP, the Rice, the, the UTSA, the ACUs. But can you win the games that matter? I agree. Um, so, because I, I say that they still have to make a bowl game because La Tech and UAB are going to be good teams. Like both of those teams are going to be very are going to be good teams, and La Tech is on the on the road. UAB is at home, but both of those are potential losses. I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm not saying I think they probably will be favored against UAB come down late in the season, but those are both potential losses. One other slip up and you're done. Like right. they they were a middle they were a middle Tennessee like blunder on a special teams play from going to overtime with Middle Tennessee. And then you don't know what's happening in overtime. Right. If they lost the Middle Tennessee, like things can happen. And we they still need to go three and two over yeah. the last five games. Yeah. Which again shouldn't be that difficult, but Louisiana Tech just beat Southern Miss. So that's going to be a tough game. UAB, we know UAB is a good team. That's going to be a tough game. You have three of the games that you have to win. And one, like you said, one slip up could mean the difference between coming home happy and, and not. And going five and seven. Right. And you're not making a bowl of five and seven this no. year. I don't know what their, <laughs> no. uh, I don't know what their, their grades are. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but I'd be surprised. So, anyways, um, yeah, I don't remember what we were talking about or what topic we were on. That if the end goal is a bowl game or conference championship. No, but before that. No, I, okay, the defense, the defense. Yeah, that's the right. defense. Um, no, yeah, I do think it's, I do think it's a good thing. I do question its sustainability, but I do think it will work against subpar teams. So, now the question is if the offense can put up thirty three points. And save them because I don't think the defense is holding anyone to under twenty one points at this I agree. point. I thought they would have like against Southern Miss entering the game. I was like, all right, they're gonna have they're gonna have their breakout performance. They didn't have that. Middle Tennessee, they've had chances to shut them out. They had chances to do their job. They couldn't. They held. I mean, Middle Tennessee kicked four field goals. Yeah, like or three field goals. I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, not too much promising on that end. Let's see what I have written down. Any other analysis notes? I'm trying to think. Defense, secondary, linebackers. No, I, think, I think that's it. Special teams real quick. Ethan Mooney, 15 points. Shout out Ethan Mooney. Special teams, 21 points. Special teams, 22 points. Oh, 20. Yeah. No, 22. no, no. 15, no, you're right. 21. I'm sorry. Because three field goals, a touchdown, 16, and then I actually can't count. I don't know. Four field goals. I'm sorry. Four field goals. Four field goals. I'm not going to count. Screw that. Um... So, anyways, yeah, they all had the block kick. Deshaun Gaddy made his uh, biggest play of the season on the blocked punt. I didn't think he blocked that. He blocked it. Oh, okay. Trust me. And then uh, Dominic Harrison also made his biggest impact of the season, picked but it up and scored. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Which, which is kind of mean, but, hey, you do your job and you score touchdowns. Good so things happen. Good for them. Now, let's get into... All right. Do you remember what the announced attendance was last night? I told you late last 15, night. 15,000. It was 16. 16, sorry. 16,000. That was the announced attendance, Colin. Yes. You were on the field. How many were Not there? that many. 11, probably. Probably 11? Probably 11. And then what did we by expect? halftime, it went down to like 9 or 8. Yeah, I know some people that left at like halftime. Because the first half was pretty ugly. 
Now, yeah. what were we expecting? In the press box, I said that they'd announce 15 or around that, and that there'd probably be like eight. <laughs> so you, were, you weren't too far off, though. Yeah, but I but but it looked it looked it looked like eleven. It didn't look like eight. Yeah, it so. looked like eleven. When I went down there, I was like, all right, at least the the press box side is pretty filled. Yeah, and the, the student st- side was you know lacking, but as we as we expected, um, Middle Tennessee didn't bring anybody, so that didn't help. Uh, the wing wasn't filled. The wing was barely even peppered. Now, do we blame the fans? No, we I've, we've been I over don't. this, and I and I was critical of the fans last season but this season you guys do what you do on your Saturdays yeah. you know <laughs> it's like if you want to come to the game and support the team it's greatly appreciated and I do think that they're going to have some fun games I'm trying to think of their home games remaining UTEP is homecoming next week what's and on next week I'm sorry two weeks from now and then they have UAB at home are those the only two games left because one two three Houston UTSA what's UC, next week yeah that's six Next week is Charlotte. Then two weeks oh, from now, yeah. then two weeks from now, it's UTEP. Yep, 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 yep. Which is homecoming, and then they end the season with UAB. UTEP will get someone just because it's homecoming. It'll probably get a, f- a good amount, and then UAB will be hit or miss depending on how they do. If they're undefeated, if they continue winning, then it could be a good turnout. But um, there's a long ways to go before that happens. Now, like you said, I don't really blame the fans for not showing up. Yeah, because it was a pretty disheartening past few weeks. I'd like, say more than disheartening, but continue. The, if you watch the Charlotte game, I can understand why you wouldn't want to go to the Middle Tennessee game. I mean, Southern Miss game. Yes, what I say? Charlotte. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, if you watched the Southern Miss game, it definitely did not entice you to go to the Middle Tennessee game. So... Um, and the Houston loss was also very disheartening as well. And there were 30,000 people for that game. And they probably sat there and they were like, damn. They laid an egg on the biggest stage that they've had. Damn. So. They laid another egg. So, yeah. Both of those led to a very low attendance crowd. I would say probably 11. Do you, do you expect uh, Middle Ten- this Middle Tennessee game to get more people? For UTEP? Okay. For next week, for Charlotte. Well, Charlotte's on the road. Oh, I thought this whole time it was at home. No, Charlotte's on the road. UTEP's at home. In okay, for, okay, then for UTEP, yeah. So I said UTEP's homecoming, but I think that game's at three o'clock. Yeah, we've seen how students turn out for three o'clock games at North Texas. Yesterday, it wasn't good. I didn't even see a lot of tailgating kids out there. No, the tailgate, the tailgate was probably the worst. You get in the press box, you can see the whole tailgating area, and there was like eight tents. I feel yeah, like. yeah, and it's completely <laughs> different from Houston, obviously. And if you can't get kids to come out there for alcohol. You're not going to get them out there for football. So, <laughs> with all that being said, I do think that it'll probably the student section might like let's say double from what it was because it wasn't. It That's was probably still not saying a whole lot. It was probably a third full for yeah. the yeah for the game yesterday. And if it, I think it'll get to two thirds full just because it's homecoming and yeah, they'll so not because of the it's something to do. I still feel like the, no people the, are not going. The out fans' of the way. perception of the team is still we're not what we were. See, but fans and student perception are different. Well, okay. Student fans, I guess. Yeah, student fans definitely because um, I I definitely think there is some entitlement from those students as well because they weren't here for they, they were only yeah here they weren't here for the one and eleven for season. me yeah ex- exactly yeah they've they've only known Mason and this team getting better they don't exactly. know the the history behind exactly the team so yeah it'll be interesting to see how the how the perception changes for I guess we're gonna just student fans but uh. They're gonna have to win. They're, they're, gonna, have to, they're, they're gonna have to win. The, they're gonna have to win out to get any kind of for UAB. support for UAB. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I don't know if the fan support will be better for UTEP, but I think the student section will double. So make of that what you will. Yeah, it's basically. UTEP. They'll all be gone by halftime, anyways. Yeah, should be. Yeah, if assuming it's a blowout. Even if it's not, I'd probably. Leave. <laughs> yeah, it's, it'd be it ugly. might be worse if it's not a blowout, <laughs> yeah, right? Because it'd be ugly. <laughs> Good lord. Okay, Colin. Uh, panic meter time, Colin. Last week, let's clarify. Let's recap yeah. what we did last week. If you didn't hear last week's podcast, go check that out because that's a very interesting podcast. This week, uh, there's a little bit less to talk about, but I still want to talk about the po- the panic meter because it's a staple of this podcast, Colin. And we do things, and people listen. <laughs> so, Colin, you were at. Nine and a half last week. I was at an eight last week. I feel like I was like a voicemail machine where it was like, 
<laughs> yeah. I but well, please wait for the tone. So, exactly. Colin. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, so, you were at a nine and a half last week. What are you at this week? I'm not moving it down a whole lot, but we're going to move it down regardless just because dust has settled from the explosion that happened last week. That's a good analogy. Um, I'm going to go eight. Wow. Because I still need to see more. I thought you were going to say nine. No. I'm going to go eight. You dropped it all the way. I'm going to go eight. Nine. Nine is pretty close to that 10. So yeah, yeah. we got to move it down all to right. eight. We saw Mason kind of take over. So yeah. All right. Uh, join the club. Cause I'm at an eight too. I'm staying at an you eight. You went up. No, I've, I, you was were at an eight. I was at an eight last week, Colin. I know for a fact that was an eight. I've listened to this okay. podcast three times. Wow. I, I can, I can confirm that I have not listened to the last what I do. three times. It's what I do. Brittany, Brittany falls asleep to it. It's like a white noise. <laughs> It's probably why you're sick. Honestly. You forgot to listen to it last night. Honestly. Okay, so I was at an 8 last week. I'm going to stay at an 8. So why are you staying at an 8? Because the Middle Tennessee win was not convincing. Agreed. At all. I agree. So that's why I'm staying at an 8. And if you told me they lose to Charlotte next week. Man, it's, okay. How, how surprised? Let's say if they, if I told you right now they're losing to Charlotte next week, what would you say? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. You Man, can, I would you, be you depressed. Can, the fact that the fact that you just said I don't know means that you wouldn't be surprised. I'd be I'd be depressed. But you wouldn't be surprised. See, I'd be depressed not even as a fan, just as like a damn. I know a lot of these guys on the team, and if they lose to Charlotte, that would suck. Well, yeah, because losing losing this season has a lot more implications than just this season. Losing this season affects recruiting. Affects. I mean, it, this is like a five year like yeah thing for yeah, this season. Yeah. You want to know why a loss to Charlotte would be disheartening and would be like depressing? Because they gave us some hope with this win. They, I didn't. I haven't. They kind I of, didn't get any. They hope. gave people hope. I'll tell okay, you. Okay, they gave people hope, but no, no, no. Because so listen, listen, listen. So you go from Southern Miss to Middle Tennessee to where you believe Charlotte. Everybody believes Charlotte is not as good as Middle Tennessee, and so you at least are better than the bad teams in Conference USA. <laughs> okay, and then if they saying. lost to Charlotte, I see what you're saying. It'd be like, no, you're not better than them. You are them. And then you are them. And then you have to accept being them. And then you have to move on for the last four weeks of the season with, gosh, that would be bad. You have to go into the last four weeks of the season saying we need to go three and one. Would that be the ultimate collapse of a program? Yes. Coming into the season with New York's New York Six Bowl in mind with a Heisman. indoor stadium, Six for Heisman, which, by the way, no longer exists as a website. It now just goes to masonfindsix.com. You sure, Colin? Yes. It just redirects. It doesn't actually say six for Heisman anymore. It's masonfindsix.com. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, you came up with all these expectations. You're at the pedestal. You think we're going to be the next UCF, and now you're Rice. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> just like that within within half a season. And now you're Rice. <laughs> now you're Rice. Um, okay, Colin. I'm trying to remember what else we are talking about. So Panic Mirror. That was our Panic Mirror. I'm at an eight. We're both at an eight. Yeah, we're both at eights. I'm glad we have some unity on this podcast for once, Colin. Wow. It's about time. Um, all right. Oh, we have questions. Cannot forget those questions. Okay. I almost forgot. Where's my phone? Do you want to do them now? Actually, here. Let's do the questions. Okay. Let's do them now. So scatterbrain today. Colin, I honestly, I really can't think at this moment. I really haven't been able to think for the last, what? how long are we doing this? 50 minutes? 50 minutes. So I'm just speaking, and if it makes sense, then good that's good um, so right, we so have two questions um I, I appreciate both the questions uh reddit mean green asked do you think six and six earns a bowl bid yes because six and six automatically quals- qualifies you for a bowl game now i'm trying to figure out what the actual meaning behind this is i feel like there's a sub subliminal a, message. A sub a sub it's like it was the question was sent to us like, to, to decipher it's like the set leave before they get to the bowl game if they go six and six no okay <laughs> let's stop with that um okay, okay okay i think we i think what we can we can say is the fact that he had to ask that question i took it more as like are they even gonna, are they gonna be right six the six? fact that he had to ask that question kind of means are they gonna make it to six and six or it's like he had to look up like what's the minimum amount of wins to make a bowl game right because, because like, that's at the because, point we're at yeah because i i mean he probably speaks for a lot of fans Whereas they're all like, oh, maybe they're not going to get a bowl. Maybe I don't get to do anything in December. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's no trip to New Orleans this year. Yeah. Okay. That's not happening. 
All right, this is a very interesting question. Wait, are very, we not going to answer if we think they're going to get to six it. wins? I, we've said before they're going to get to six wins. I think they're getting to six wins. Okay. Did you want to answer it, Colin? No, I'm no, I, I just didn't know if you wanted to. Just continue. <laughs> All right, this is a very interesting question here because it's something we haven't talked about enough, I feel like. This is a great question. Preston Hodge asked, do you think the team can afford to rest fine at any point to get healthy? Or is the margin error too thin? And he lists UTEP as Charlotte as UTEP and Charlotte as games that potentially you could rest him in. Zero chance. So the margin of error is too thin. Zero chance you can rest Mason. The fact that he played yesterday tells you that they can't they can't do it. You have Jason Bean who came in when Mason got hurt against Southern Miss, instantly threw a pick. You have Austin Ani or Annie, however you say his name, who hasn't played football really since high school. And he's twenty eight. Twenty six. Something like I'm pretty that. sure he's 28. I don't think he's 28. So go, continue. Regardless. So, yeah, okay, regardless, you, can, you can't afford to take Mason out. He's he, he is literally your offense right now. I agree. I uh, I don't think they can rest him in. That's really sad to say. I don't I don't even know if there was a game to rest him. It wouldn't be UTEP on homecoming. I don't think it'd be a home. I don't think he would want to rest right. against a home crowd. Uh, And then the remaining away games are Rice... Uh, which did just lose to UTSA, so maybe Rice. No. Maybe just playing for a quarter. Like, it's not like they have a red shirt or any concern about him, so maybe just play him and try to get a lead. But I'll tell you one thing. Okay, they don't take him. Okay, they've had blowouts. UTSA, they didn't take him out until they were up by like... But he wasn't hurt this bad. Right, he wasn't hurt, but you still should take him out. No, yes, you should, but he wasn't hurt this bad. Now they have extra incentive. Now they should. Now they will, I want to say. Like... There is even more incentive. If they go up three touchdowns, you better just run the ball. I might just take him out. I would take him out. I don't run. know if I take him out, but I run the hell out of the ball. Like no. if I go, if they're if they're up twenty-one zero on Rice, Rice in the in the second quarter, late in the second quarter. If if you hold, if if you hold him to zero points at the half, that means your defense is playing. He's not well. coming back. I would. I would. I, yeah. So I I don't think they're gonna rest him for games. Or, I'm sorry, protect him like by not playing him in games. But I do think that they will be a lot more vigilant with, all right, we're up. If they can get up like they did against UTSA, I think we'll see a lot more of Mason taking series off and not having to do too much. So, yeah. I think that's a very interesting question, though, because... But I don't think it will happen because I think Mason's a senior and I think Mason is not going to rest either of the home games left. And I think that... La Tech is obviously going to be a tough game on the road. Next week, they have Charlotte on the road. I don't think they can afford to rest him for that. I think Rice on the road is their only maybe hope of yep. doing that. And we have to hope he survives until then because that's, he's going to continue getting hit. That's a month away, basically. He's going to continue getting hit. Yeah. Okay. All right, Colin. Anything else on um on the main green before we look, glance let's, let's at move Charlotte? On, let's move on to the Charlotte game. Let's move on. All right, real quickly, let's recap Charlotte's um, loss last night to Western Kentucky. They are now, Charlotte is now 2-5 and five and 0-3. Oh and we expected them not to be good entering the season, but we know that they have Alex Highsmith on defense. That is a monster. He's one of the best defensive linemen in the conference. Let me see how how many sacks or tackles he had. He had six tackles, one and a half sacks last night, and one forced fumble. He is Charlotte's team. Charlotte's defense. He's their, no, he's their entire team. Oh, okay. <laughs> he he is um he's tremendous. Two and a half tackles for loss. I mean, one and a half sacks. Now their defensive line, I know as a unit, is good. They ended they had three and a half sacks against Western Kentucky. Um. But there's not much else that you look at and you're like, damn, this team is good. Or damn, this team can beat you this way. Yeah. Like their defense line is their strength. And so when you take that away from them, then it gets difficult because you have Chris Reynolds, that quarterback who obviously they don't trust. 15 of 29 passing for 200 yards, one touchdown and one pick. Yeah, he's thrown six picks this season. So Mason's thrown five. But he only, he only has 12 touchdowns. Yeah, difference. Yeah, difference. Uh, Benny LeMay is interesting because he was seen as a good running back entering the season, Benny LeMay. Uh, for Charlotte, he had... Now, I don't know their offensive line situation. I don't know how bad their their offensive line is, but he had 15 carries for 45 yards, no touchdowns. His longest run was eight yards mm-hmm. against Western Kentucky. And we know Western Kentucky has a good defense, yeah. right? Um, so that's 
So it's a tough game for for them. But again, Benny LeMay, he had three receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown, though. So he broke off a 47-yard one in there. Benny LeMay is, it's basically going to be the Benny LeMay and Alex Highsmith show for Charlotte. That Those are their teams. Uh, Victor Tucker had six receptions for 113 yards as a receiver. He's, I mean, those are some gaudy numbers. I want to look at what else he's done this year. Uh, he is a retro sophomore. And so, yeah, throughout the season, he's had, man, he's been weirdly inconsistent. He's had three games <laughs> of six receptions and 90 plus yards, but then he's had two games. I don't know. He did play in these games. Two games of zero receptions, one game of one reception, and one game of four receptions. That's so, interesting. That's hit or miss. There's not much to this team as far as like we've as far as results go. Their two wins have been over um Gardner Webb, 49-28, and Massachusetts, who everybody in the conference is beating the hell out of Massachusetts. I, I, right I didn't now. realize that there was a team worse than a conference USA team. Yeah, like La Tech ran them over, um, Charlotte's ran them over, and uh, like I did not Southern know Miss there was a team worse than UTSA. Yeah, shout out, shout out Massachusetts for being a free win for Conference USA team. Shout out for them even still having a football team. <laughs> because are they in FBS? Yes, that is awful. I want to say, I, I, I'm not going to say for sure that they're independent, but yeah, they're independent. So you got Notre Dame who's independent, and you got and Massachusetts and Army, <laughs> Army. Really cover the spectrum there. So, anyways, those are the two wins. They've played Clemson and lost fifty-two to ten. They played Appalachian State, actually pretty close. This might be their best result of the year. Is a forty-one to fifty-six loss to Appalachian State. Yeah, the, on the road. And App State's pretty good. App State's not bad. So that's probably their best result. They lost to FAU forty-five twenty-seven. They lost to FIU forty-eight thirty or uh, forty-eight to twenty-three. And then last night they lost to Western thirty to fourteen. It's a game they should win. It's a game where Texas has to win. It's a game that it will look very bad if they don't win. I don't know what else to say because there's just you just you have to win this game. Yeah. Like I understand they have some players in Alex Highsmith, but you cannot let Alex Highsmith do what um Ozimenez and Jalen Ferguson did to this team last year. Yeah. Like you're not going against Latex defense from last year. This is Charlotte. They have one yeah, dude. Exactly. Block him. Please, just you gotta limit Mason's Mason getting hit. Kelvin, double the hell out of him, please. Triple team him. I don't care. Something. Just let's just throw two receivers and that's it. And then just everyone else. <laughs> two two man Mason. routes. Just, eight man protection. All of them are post routes. Just constant <laughs> post routes. <laughs> oh my god. So um, yeah, that, that's I think that's a pretty good summary of Charlotte. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um. Now it comes now it comes down to the moment of truth here. What's your prediction? First, it comes down to, I think, North Texas has to just, they have to come out and play well. I know it's a very cliche thing. I've kind of picked that up is that, oh, they have to come out and, and get off to a good start. I've heard that more this year than I've ever heard it before. I don't know if I've said it before. I said it definitely against the UTSA game. Mm-hmm. I might have said it against Southern Miss. So I'm I'm victim of it as well. But when you play bad teams like this, they have to have an outing like UTSA. You have to go down and score. Now, obviously, UTSA lost their quarterback, second play of the game, but... You just you have to. This team should be motivated. They should know what to expect. They shouldn't have big heads. They shouldn't do anything like that. North Texas should be have their heads on, heads on straight and be able to play. And if that happens, I say North Texas wins by two touchdowns. So what's I say, your score? I say they beat them thirty-five twenty-one. Thirty-five twenty-one. Man, that's so bad still to say against Charlotte, but yeah. Well, it depends how it happens. If Charlotte gets a late touchdown or if something happens. Right, yeah. If, like if they're up 35 to 10 or 35 to 7 for a lot of the game and whatever, but I mean, there's different ways that it can happen, but I know what you're saying. On paper, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, what about you, Colin? Give me, give me 30 to 17. North that's, Texas. That's even worse than my score. Not at all. That's way worse than my score. That's three field goals. North Texas is kicking. Yeah. That's awful. Um, what 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 do we think the line is going to be at? Keep in mind, four and a half for North Texas. You're crazy. It's going to be way more than that. Middle so? Tennessee was seven and a half point favorite. Actually, you might not be crazy. I would say it's at seven and a half. So you say four? I said four and a half. Four and a half. I say I'll say seven and a half. So I don't think that's that crazy. Actually, 
because I initially I was thinking like nine, but people who look at the box scores and say, damn, they barely beat Middle Tennessee and they didn't even cover against Middle Tennessee because it was a seven and a half point spread. Yeah. So it's like, why are we going to keep you at yeah. that high of a level when you can't cover against Middle Tennessee? So yeah, I'll say, uh, what did I say? Seven, seven and, and a half. half. You say four and a half. Okay. That's good. That's good. All right, Colin. That's all we had. That's all we have for today. Sign That's up for it. VIP audience, friends. Yes. Gosh, what a great plug, Colin. You just <laughs> you just look full of life right now, Colin. You I'm are so dead right now. <laughs> full of life, Colin. I don't know what's wrong with you right now, but you need to figure it out. And I need a lozenge. When do the Lions play? You do. I have one they're, left. They're playing right now. Are they up? Are they winning? If they're winning, then I'll be happy. It's only been thirty minutes into the game, Colin. Okay. That I'm a Lions fan and I've seen a lot. They're Lions. up seven to zero halfway through the first. Oh man. Congratulations, so Colin. Congrats. So go watch that. Go feel better. Take a lozenge. A lot. Uh, okay, first of all, I need everyone to settle this right now. Is it lozenge or lozenge? It's spelled with a Z. It is not spelled with a Z. <laughs> it is. Lozenge is spelled with a Z. I've just been completely ramboozled. I'm like I'm I i do not make sure I don't sound stupid. Is, is nope, it really? it's spelled with a G. A, a Z. Z. L O Z. Lozenge G E. Well, I'm sorry. Maybe it's one of those Z's that sound like an S. Lozenge. That's weird. Sis. That's how you guys start saying it. So, anyways, I have one left if you want it. No, I'm uh, good. Watch the game, take a nap, Colin. Feel better because we we gotta be there for next week. Obviously, it's a road game though, so I'll probably be here watching the game. But we yeah. need to be healthy by that time. So that way yeah, we, we can't be questionable, especially if we're not going to a game. Gotta be hundred percent. I mean, I got a busy week. Next ahead. week is the first basketball podcast. Ah, yes, Colin. Thank we you. Should, we should plug that. Uh it's going to be going over Bernie's scouting report and kind of what we think about that. He's been going to practices. I'm going to go to practice this week, but I, cause I haven't had a chance cause I work, mm-hmm. but, uh, so that'll be good. Yeah. So next week we'll do it. Um, we'll do both of them on Saturday after the game. Yeah. After, after, the, after the game, game. that's going to be a busy day. So yeah, we'll do. So for the first basketball podcast, we're going to do kind of the basics. We recap last year. Because I feel like a lot of people forgot about last year. Yeah. So recap last year. Look at the basics of this team. Look at the personnel of this team. The different lineups, pers- possibly. Maybe, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, probably lineups, stuff like that. And then for the week before, so the Sunday or Saturday before the uh, the game, because their first game is on a Tuesday, I believe, November 5th. Yes. So I think it's November 3rd. We'll do a podcast on everything we'll do a podcast on projecting the season you know our predictions who we think will have a breakout who we think yeah. might have a slump who we think will lead the team in three-point percentage all that good stuff that you come to us for for basketball that will be next week and the week after that so we'll have two podcasts come out in those weeks um yeah subscribe to mean green 24 7 that's who we do this for um let us know um what what you think send us any of your questions we'll still answer them even if it's not in podcast form yep we appreciate them all uh if you disagree with us let us know respectfully of course uh leave us five stars five star ratings only on apple podcast we greatly appreciate that subscribe to us on soundcloud as well if you that's how you listen to us however you listen to us uh feel free to support us we greatly appreciate it um and i with all that being said cowboys play tonight eagles we'll see how that goes I'm just going to say this as a neutral neutral person looking in on this game. The Cowboys are awful. All right, Colin. Anyways. Let's I think we'll, we just lost like, let's, like half our, oh yeah, half our audience. They're all one. gone. They're all they gone. They hate me. They're all gone. So anyways, we'll get back to y'all next week, and y'all have a good week.